Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. So welcome back to Paris History avec Hemingway. Today we are talking about Jean de de la Motte, which I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. But basically she is the woman that ruined Marie Antoinette with the affair of the necklace. We talked about this in past episodes if you've been keeping up. But we're going to go into a deeper look about this woman and what she did and who she was. And Claudine's going to give us all that information. Yeah, her full name, of course, is much longer. It's Jeanne de Valois Saint-Rémy, Comtesse de la Motte. Say that five times fast. <laughs> so she uh, she's a pretty interesting character. This is why I decided we would maybe look at her a little bit closer. So she was born in 1756 on July 22nd. And her father, Jacques de Valois, was a descendant of uh, Henry II. And uh, he was a l- illegitimate child, a love child, Henry II and his mistress, Nicole de Savigny. And his father was Henry de Saint-Rémy. And uh, they, she was very upset because basically he was never legitimized, which, you know, we'll talk about somebody else in our, in our next episode that they were legitimized, which, but that didn't happen very often. Most of the time, the, you know, kings would go off with their mistresses and all of them would get pregnant because there was no birth control at the time. And (laughs) they just basically would walk away. Like they, they would do nothing to recognize them most of the time or legitimize them um, in the eyes of, you know, the monarchy. So this was, you know, this is kind of par for the course, basically. Yeah. Nicole was married um, at just 14 years old. She had two kids with her husband, Jean Davis, who was, um, who died when she was just 17. He as well tried to say that he was descendant, a descendant of uh, Henry II in a roundabout way, but nobody's ever been able to prove any of that. <laughs> um, but he, uh, she was just, uh, she went and she, she got pregnant and then she, the children, um, the children both died pretty early. So her, um, she was torn apart from him he died and then she decided that she was going to get her revenge on uh, and try to get back to to you know into the eyes of the monarchy because her father basically was penniless they at one point they lived in this big house it was ended up being taken they had no money um and so she was pretty upset her father always was was trying to get um you know his lineage uh, recognized by the palace but nobody wanted to pay any attention to it so he um so then she came along and she decided that she was going to try this as well wait what 
Yeah, she was going to try to get to them for the monarchy to recognize that she, that she was a descendant of Henry II. Good try. Keep trying. Keep trying. Yeah. So her father ended up having um, a few other children. So she had two brothers and sisters that actually survived. They originally had six. And so at the time, you know, here she wanted to go and, you know, she was trying to be this vindicator for the family. Her brother's brother and sister um, didn't really care. So she ended up like leaving them all behind. She at that young age um, got married. And so then at that time when she was pregnant and uh, when they got married and then of course her children died very early right after she had them. And um, she ended up going to Paris. She moved to Paris and her husband ended up passing away. She went to Paris and decided that she was going to um, go to Versailles and everybody, she started going there um, to try to get the attention of Marie Antoinette and it was starting to get talked about everywhere. Well, word got to Marie Antoinette who this woman was and what she wanted and Marie Antoinette basically intervened and blocked her from being able to come to Versailles or to see her. Rude. Very rude. So Jean was not very happy about that. And so she, of course, um, decided to take it upon herself to try to get the attention of uh, the queen. And she would do it in a way that would basically begin the very quick demise of Marie Antoinette. Oh, my gosh. So she was the one that basically screwed over Marie. Yep. Yes. So she, I mean, Marie Antoinette, when she came to France at 14 years old to marry the Dauphin, she, Louis the 16th, she, um, you know, they didn't like her already. There was issues with France and Austria. And so she was called the foreigner and they, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't like her from the very beginning. So it wasn't like she was this beloved queen that everybody loved. And then she had this big demise. Um, she basically, there was a lot of people that had issues with her, but then as time went on and, you know, it was, uh, you know, people couldn't eat and the country was, didn't have any money. She was the scapegoat and blamed for everything, even though she, in retrospect, was not the one that was spending as much money as uh, some of the other people in the monarchy. Yeah, that was very tricky. Very tricky. So what John is known for is being involved in the ringleader, we'll call her, of the Affair of the Necklace. And the Affair of the Necklace was uh, began back in 1772 is how the story starts. Louis XV had wanted to have a necklace made for his mistress, Madame Dubarry, who we did a podcast about earlier. Um, Madame Dubarry was... Uh, had come into court. She had no, you know, she had no ranking. And basically to come into court, um, you had to basically have somebody sponsor you. The king usually had to buy a piece of land or a chateau. And then all of a sudden now you're Dubarry. She had been a prostitute and so it was even more scandalous that here she is now on the side of the king. Um, but he wanted to have this beautiful necklace made. It would take three years to find all the stones um, that that he needed to have it created by this jeweler. And it was the Beaumare brothers. And so he, you know, it was took three years. He would actually die before the that it was even finished. So the jewelers wow. now had this extremely expensive necklace on their hands, knowing like, what can we do with this? You know, back then you didn't have eBay. 
(laughs) (laughs) No fun. Yeah. eBay for, you know, $12 trillion. (laughs) So the the jewelers actually went to Louis the 16th thinking, hey, you know, maybe he's going to want to buy this for his queen. And so he took it to, you know, took it out to Versailles and showed Louis, got to Louis the 16th. And he, you know, Louis asked Marie Antoinette, you know, if, if, you know, this was something she wanted and she refused it because she said we could buy 24 ships with that, which is what we need more. So she wasn't greedy. So see, yeah, that right there. She never said, let them eat cake, but (laughs) (laughs) lies. Also hated Madame Dubarry when, when she first came to court, um, and when she was there, she would not talk to Madame Dubarry because on the very first night that she arrived in France and then she went to the chateau, the chateau outside of Paris before she came in um, the next day to have their wedding ceremony, she had um, they had this dinner and this was the first time she ever saw Louis the 16th in person. Well, Louis the 15th has comes because he's grandpa and king. He brings with him, you know, Madame Dubarry, which was a. Already a problem because this was not something that, you know, the mistress comes to. This was, a, you know, a family thing, which probably consisted of, you know, like 150 people from court. But Marie Antoinette asked one of the other ladies, who is that? And they told her, basically, you know, she was this prostitute and now she's this headmistress of Louis Fifteenth. So she, from the beginning, Marie Antoinette had a bad feeling about her. Yeah, she had her uh, radar going on. Yeah, she had her radar on. So then she comes to, you know, she's at court. She Marie Antoinette would never speak to her. So this went on for like a year and a half to the point where Marie Antoinette's mother from Austria, the Queen of Austria, ends up getting involved in it and saying, you need to be nice to her and you need to talk to her because this is putting the jeopardy of this whole alliance in jeopardy. So... She finally, because now, you know, basically, um, Madame Dubarry was like the the top, like the top lady at Versailles because she was the headmistress of Louis XV. She worked her way up. She worked her way. Yeah, she slept her way up. So (laughs) Marie Antoinette ends up walking up to her and says, there's a lot of people here today at Versailles. (laughs) And then those were the only words she ever said to her. And then everything was fine. Awkward. Very strange. So she hated her, basically. So that could be a very big reason why she didn't want this necklace. So Jean de Lamotte ends up, she's having a affair with the Cardinal Rouen. And he was a cardinal from um, Strasbourg. And this is where Marie Antoinette actually stopped and went to church on her way to France when she left Austria. And Cardinal Rouen kind of had a little, I think, a little crush on Marie Antoinette. And uh, but he couldn't ever get close enough to her. He was at Versailles. He'd be there every single day. But, you know, he really, really wanted her attention. But she basically was just like, you know, pushed him away all the time, was like, I don't have any time for you. So de la Motte finds out about this and she's sleeping with the cardinal and so she says to him like oh i actually um talked to marie antoinette the other day and she asked if you would go and purchase this necklace on her behalf because she can't be seen doing this and if you did it she'd be forever grateful to you wow so he was like, well, so, you know, can you set up a meeting for me? And so she went and she ended up hiring a prostitute at the Palais Royal in Paris and had her come out to Versailles, had her dress up to look like Marie Antoinette 
now basically you could do this with a 14,000 people on Halloween, but she, <laughs> she had her come out there. And in the middle of the night, she told the Cardinal, Oh, go, you're going to go tonight. She's going to meet you out in the gardens of Versailles in the bushes at, you know, two in the morning, <laughs> like all excited. And he's going to go do that. So he goes there. She, he has a rose for her. He gives Marie Antoinette what he thinks is Marie Antoinette, the rose. And she gives him this letter, basically signed saying, I, you know, on my behalf, Cardinal, you know, Rohan is purchasing this necklace for me. And, you know, basically an, an IOU as well. <laughs> IOU. <laughs> an IOU. So she takes, he take, he goes back to Paris. He goes to the Beaumont brothers, uh, jeweler, jeweler, gives them this note and he takes the necklace. Oh, wow. And this necklace is amazing. And I will post a picture of it on my website, but it is, some people think it's maybe a little gaudy. I would wear it in a heartbeat. It is, but <laughs> it is, there's so many diamonds on it. It's absolutely amazing. So it would be heavy on your neck. <laughs> it'd be very heavy, but I think I, I would suffer through it. So <laughs> he takes the, he, he gets the necklace. And he takes it to De La Motte and she's like, okay, well, thank you so much. Well, there's a man there waiting. And she, he thinks that this man is the valet to Marie Antoinette. So he takes it, he walks off, takes the necklace and basically like immediately he, and this is the guy was like a, one of De La Motte's lovers. And he immediately takes it to someplace and they break it all apart and they ship and sell the diamonds. Hmm. So today we, we have no idea where nobody's ever, nobody knows where, whatever happened to it. We never know. No, we never know. So he, so she tricks him into this. And so he's thinking like, oh, great. Well now finally, you know, Marie Antoinette's going to love me because I got her this necklace. Well, time goes by. And the jeweler is, you know, and then Rohan is not hearing from Marie Antoinette. He's not hearing her, you know, her unbelievable gratitude that, you know, that she's not throwing herself on him. And mm-hmm. he's at Versailles. He's wondering what's going on. And so the jeweler decides like, hey, where's our money? Like, we need to get paid for this. And I'm sure it was, you know, millions even back then. And so yeah. he goes, they go to Versailles with this note that they think is signed by Marie Antoinette saying, you know, we'll pay you and goes to Versailles and shows it to Louis the 16th. And he's like, I don't, and he shows it to Marie Antoinette. She goes, I don't know what that is. I didn't write that. That's not my handwriting. I didn't do, I have nothing to do with this. So it, in the end, basically she still gets blamed for everything. Unfair. Very unfair. So he was arrested. He was arrested walking through the Hall of Mirrors. He was taken to the Bastille. Um, He was put on trial and was found to be innocent, which was thankfully, um, you know, because he he kind of was. I mean, he was trapped into this whole thing. Jean de la Motte was also arrested days later. She went on trial and she was convicted. And she was branded on each shoulder with the letter V. Because and it's a verus, which means thief in French, um, and she was sent to the prostitutes' prison. Mm, the prostitute prison. What is that? <laughs> well, they needed one just for the prostitutes. <laughs> but she escaped less than a, la- a year later, and she fled to uh, London. Well, good for her. Yeah. So she took off, 
Um, and so she was there for a while. She ended up publishing her memoirs. Um, and it was called the memoirs of the Justif Calife of la Comtesse de Valois de la Motte. Um, basically she blamed Marie Antoinette for everything in, in this. Um, she died in London by falling out of a window. What? Where she was hiding from her creditors. Oh, wait. <laughs> wow. How do you fall out of what? Does that mean she was like climbing out to run away? I think so. I think she was probably trying to get out, but she fell out of the window. Um, a eyewitness saw it and wrote that she was terribly mangled. Her left eye cut out and her oh. arm and both legs were broken. <gasps> That's horrible. Yeah, pretty horrible. But as far as for poor Marie Antoinette, Marie Antoinette was basically blamed for this whole thing. The affair of the necklace is a very, very famous moment in the history of uh, Marie Antoinette. It was basically, as we said, where the tables turned. Um, They've even made a movie about it where um, Hilary Swank, I think, is the gal that plays Jean de la Motte. Um, You know, she was this very beautiful woman. She is supposedly she was painted by Vijay Lebrun. They can't really for sure say. And Vijay Lebrun, of course, was the you know painter to the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she was mingling and everything at court. She never did get recognized or her family recognized into the eye of the monarchy, you know, by the, um, you know, as a Valois, the Louis the 16th, they were the Bourbons. And so at the end of uh at the end of the Valois reign is when um, Henry the fourth became King. And then he was the first of the Bourbons, but he, uh, but she never got the attention she wanted. You know, she is now still is known as just basically, you know, the, the thief that uh, tricked Marie Antoinette. But I think at the time Marie Antoinette was blamed for everything. I think now we definitely know more, of course Um, it's much different um, but as we look back on it and, you know, I mean, I guess if Hillary Swank's playing her. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was pretty bad. They did a um, exhibit a couple years ago at the Conciergerie, which is where the was the prison that Marie Antoinette was at before she was guillotined. And it was really interesting because it was basically about the image of Marie Antoinette and how it's been looked at. But it had a lot of things like it had her last letter and it had like the key to her cell. Uh, But it had a whole thing about the necklace. And so there is actually a cop. There's been copies made of it. It's not made with diamonds, um, but there has been copies made and they had one of them on display. It's really I mean, it's amazing. It has like ribbons on it, too, because it almost it's almost like a double necklace and then has all of these uh, like pieces that also then hang down. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of dress you would wear with it. It's almost like you'd have to wear like a tube top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what do you wear with that? Yeah. Because it's almost like it, it almost covers like your whole, you know, from almost from shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I guess I have Googled to find a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I need an outfit for this necklace I'll never own. <laughs> I need to have. I I know I've Googled to find a copy of the necklace. Like somebody <laughs> has to have made something. But uh, it was it's really interesting to see it on display. When I saw it, I was like, oh, oh there it is. But I mean, it, it's it's such a pivotal change in the in the story. You know that we obviously know. I mean historians and that really have looked at the life of Marie Antoinette, you know, there were so many other things, but probably in like the general knowledge that most people have, even especially Americans of Marie Antoinette, that this is kind of the big thing is the affair of the necklace, which is where, you know, everything changed. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, not that long after, you know, it was basically, um, you know, four years later, it was uh, basically the beginning of the end. And so if it was the necklace itself had was 2,800 carats. Wow. And today it would be worth $15 million. Oh my, what? Yeah. And wow. so, and but today actually we're recording, recording this the week before. And today, right before we started to record, I was watching this, uh, um, live auction from Geneva at Christie's and in the auction, they had two pieces that belonged to Marie Antoinette. They have a, uh, a set of bracelets and these br- bracelets are three strands on each one. And they're completely, it's just all diamonds and they're good wow. sized diamonds. And these were two bracelets that Marie Antoinette had. And before everything started to turn before they were basically taken away from Versailles, she shipped some of these things to Belgium. Mm. So she packed away these diamond bracelets and some, uh, and some other jewelry and stuff. And she um, shipped it away and they went to Belgium to some family members. And then it ended up, these bracelets came into the possession of her daughter, Madame Royale, who we've also talked about. And because she was the only, you know, she survived, she's the only surviving, you know, one of the family. And so she ended up later having these, she actually um, is painted in a painting wearing the bracelets. And so, and then they ended up going down to the Duchess de Parma. And so then they sold today, they were thought to go for like 2 million start. The low start was 2 million. The The low start. It started. The guy started at 5 million. This wow. is 5 million Swiss francs. It sold for $6.8 million. Wow. <laughs> this set, two set, I mean, these bracelets, they would match my necklace perfectly. <laughs> so if you wondered today when you got up and thought, I wonder what I could do with my $6.8 million. As we do. You could buy two bracelets of Marie Antoinette. And I just was thinking like, oh, just to feel that, like just to wear her bracelet, just to feel that against your skin would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Keep dreaming. (laughs) But they also had um, for sale right after that, it is now a a brooch, but it was this amazing red, um, huge red rubies and then surrounded by diamonds. They were actually a set of earrings and they were huge, which is just my size of earrings. And <laughs> they, but they'd never found the second one and they thought these were lost forever. And if, and if they just discovered these a few years ago. And so it also went up for auction and it only sold for $70,000. Only 70,000. Yeah. So I'm sure that the person that could afford 6.8 million probably bought that to go with them. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, what's $70,000 if you're buying something for 6.8? And then you just wonder who it was that bought that. And usually you never find out. Yeah, 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 exactly. I wish these people don't want to be found out when they're that rich. No, I <laughs> no. I mean, if you have 6.8 and then you just think of like, what would I do with 6.8? Well, I just would be living in Paris in a humongous place. Yeah, I mean, same. We would yeah. be buying all the places, yeah. <laughs> not jewelry. And then with my extra, you know, pocket change, I'd buy the $70,000 brooch. Yeah, yeah. That works. And then have a second one made. So then I could have it turned in back into earrings. <laughs> I like how we're planning this all out. <laughs> <laughs> if I had that, I've taken people into the, uh, 
on tours into the Louvre to the Galerie d'Apollon, which is where the, you know, the, the royal collection of jewels are. And I've had people are like, mm, I don't know if I'd want that one. I was like, I don't think I would turn it away. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I don't think I'd be like, mm, I don't know if that's my taste. I think I would be like, yes, I will have it. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> but you can see, you know, hopefully, you know, you. I always see these things and I wish that maybe, um, you know, they would come back into France. And when a tiara of hers came up for auction, I think it was a year or two ago, and it was this amazing tiara that had these huge fleur-de-lis that were all diamonds. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, there was actually talk because they were on auction in, in um, Geneva of the Fran of France actually stepping in and stopping it and saying, no, these need to come back to France. Yeah, that's good. But they have, because they have these, you know, these auctions and this one specifically was in Switzerland, you know, if they had these in Paris, they could actually put an easily put in an injunction and say, no. Yeah. It was in Switzerland and Switzerland is famously, you know, neutral. Um, but it was kind of like, oh, you kind of wish that, you know, they would have these things. And then maybe whoever buys them would say, we'll put it on loan to the Louvre for the next 100 years or something, because it would it's kind of a shame that these pieces that are so tied to history, you know, that we don't get to see them. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to you know, see them and not just see paintings of them. Yeah. I mean, I want to wear them. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just sit around the house and drink uh, champagne wearing my Marie Antoinette diamond. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that when this podcast takes yeah. off. You know? <laughs> yeah. Please Biding join our time. On so we could buy tiaras. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the plan. That's what we'll do for the thousands episode or whatever. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys, so make sure you join Claudine for her live virtual tours every Sunday around Paris. You can find out more information on her website, ClaudineHemingway.com, or book her to book travel for you or book her for live tours in person. And please tune in next week for another episode of Paris History of A.K. Hemingway. Thank you for listening to Paris History Effect A Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.